The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Jack Lentz, a British Canadian man who is accused of traveling to Syria to fight for ISIS, has been stripped of his British citizenship. It's a move that has disappointed Canada and Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale. Now, he has accused Britain of trying to offload their responsibilities. Um, now, Let's entire family is dual British-Canadian citizens, and the move by Britain means that if Let's is deported, he would become the sole responsibility of Canada. So just a little bit of background on him before we get to our first guest. Let's grew up in the UK and is commonly known as Jihadi Jack in the British media. He's been detained in a Kurdish prison for about two years. He converted to Islam at a young age and eventually left the country to join ISIS. He was arrested and imprisoned in 2017 and there is no clear evidence whether Let's personally carried out any violent acts during his time with ISIL. Now on this weekend on the Roy Green Show, his father John Let's pushed back against claims that his son that his son was an ISIS fighter. If Jack Letts has done something wrong, I will be the first person to stand up and condemn him publicly and ask for him to go on trial and to be punished for what he did. Because, you know, the horrible stories you heard that ISIS did to people, to Yazidis, to all sorts of people, you know, I utterly, utterly condemn that. And I, I agree with one of the lines in Ralph Goodell's statement that, you know, we have to work together to stop terrorism and these people should be punished if they've done something wrong. But there's this knee-jerk assumption always that Jack was an ISIS fighter. Where is this coming from? You know, it was invented by a journalist from the Sunday Times. So joining us this afternoon is Phil Gursky, the president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants. He's a former strategic analyst with CSIS. He's an author and a terrorism expert. Phil, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Jalen. <laughs> hey, listen, you just heard um, uh, John Letts talking, saying that uh, if Jack Letts has done something wrong, I'll be the first one to stand up and condemn him publicly and ask him to go on trial. Uh, calling this a knee-jerk reaction that Jack was an ISIS fighter, that it was that nickname was, inven- it was invented by a journalist for the Sunday Times. What are your thoughts when you hear Dad talk? Well, he's doing what a dad does, right? I mean... If my son were ever to join ISIS, I mean, first of all, I'd kill him. But, I mean, I'd want to support him too, right? And I, I think that the father's pointing out to something which, which we're probably going to need to talk about. What actually is the evidence which, which with you, the younger left did in Iraq and or Syria? He definitely left the U.K. to join ISIS. That is a fact. What he did is really, it's, it's speculation and it's really hard to pin down. So, you know, when it comes to a court of law, you've got to have solid evidence as to what a person did. It, it, in actual fact, it is a, an offense to leave. Oh, Phil, are you still there? We've got Phil Gursky uh, back on the line. Sorry, Jalen, about okay. that. That's all right. So, yeah, no, well, so we talk about this a little bit. What do we know about his actions uh, while he was in Syria? I don't think we know a lot. That's we do know what Islamic State was, was all about. We do know the heinous acts, as the father alluded to. But what we know about Mr. You know, Jack Letts himself and what he did, I guess, is, is anyone's guess. And, and that's the big part of the problem, is that at some point if this gets into a court of law, can you prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he actually did anything really violent? As I was trying to say before I was cut off, it's, a, it's an offense really to leave the country to join ISIS. That, that's in the criminal code. But beyond that, where are the eyewitnesses? Where is the actual evidence that you can bring to bear to, you know, 
sentence him or or convict him of of, a, of murder or attempted murder or rape, whatever. I don't know where we are on that. It's so, what makes these cases so hard. So, Phil, I'm sorry. You, did you say it is an offense or it isn't offense to leave the country? It is an offense to leave Canada to join a terrorist group under Section 83.1 of the Criminal Code. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So there's that right there, right? Yep. Um, and so he was, um, he, you know, I've been reading about this today and it was interesting that the parents have been found guilty of funding terrorism if they wired their son money in a bid to help him escape uh, an ISIL controlled uh, region of Syria. And I think, you know, the wording on that too kind of makes some issues there as well. It's been interesting too, because the more you read on, on this and kind of you look at the, the, radica- the radicalization and there was warnings from... Um, uh, a member of of the uh, Let's Family Mosque in the UK that warned the parents that their son might have been ra- radicalized and they should take away his passport and protect him. And instead, they sent him on this trip to the Middle East. And 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 I don't think that that's sitting very well with a lot of folks either, Phil. Well, I, I think you're right. So either the parents are woefully naive, and that's a possibility. But it's funny, Jalen, you talk about signs, and you know, when I was working at CSIS, we learned a lot on on one of these signs, these behavioral signs, and and they're and they're they're quite overt. Actually, I've written a blog piece that I wrote a whole book on signs back in 2015. You, you, you have to be sort of willfully ignorant to ignore those signs, or you don't know what they mean, either one. But um, that Mr. That Jack Letts was radicalized in the UK and went to join ISIS shouldn't surprise anybody because there are tens of thousands of British citizens who've radicalized the violence in accordance with this ideology. Mm. MI5, which is their thesis, has 23,000 people of interest. That's the ones they know about. Wow. So um, it's not a surprise to me or, or anybody should be that Jack Letts found an environment in which he found like-minded people mm-hmm. and radicalized and ended up going to the Middle East. And as you said, for his parents to send him on a trip is just, it, it beggars the imagination as to why you'd say that. I wouldn't do that for my son, that's for sure. Yeah, now this move to uh, strip the British uh, citizenship, what does this mean for Canada now? Well, that's a great question. So, you know, UK can do whatever it wants, and it has certainly struck citizenship in several cases. We, we've chosen a different path, and we don't do that. Um, I happen to be actually in favor of not stripping citizenship. The way the law reads right now is that you can only have your citizenship stripped, uh, first of all, if you're naturalized, I mean, you got it after you were born, and if you lied to get it. So you've probably heard Jalen of cases of these, like no, like Nazi war criminals yep. who came to Canada, yep. and and it's and they're stripped, right? So if you lie to, to get a citizenship, and, it, and, and you should have a strip. Jack left is a citizen because of his dad. That's right. I don't think he spent any significant time here in Canada. In fact, my understanding from what I've read is he wants to go back to the UK, not Canada. Mm-hmm. So now that the UK has stripped him, I guess he's left with only one citizenship. But and this is where it gets a little more complicated. We don't have an obligation to repatriate him. He has a, a charter right to return, but we don't have to facilitate that, 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 that right to return. Mm. So where that leaves us, I have no idea. And then, you know, can we even charge him? Because he didn't leave Canada to join ISIS. He left he the UK to join ISIS. So where does that fit in terms of the criminal code? A lot of questions, Jalen, and more questions than answers at this point. I'd love to be uh, behind the scenes, a little fly on the wall right now, um, you know, between some of the, co- uh, the the conversations between the Brits and uh, Canadians on this one right now and about this move and what this means. I think it's, uh, I think it would be fascinating. And, and there has been talks that, there has been chat that it could cause some, some, some more tensions between the two countries because of what Britain has done. I, I don't disagree. And people have asked me, you know, why would Canada not have been informed on this? I find it hard to believe that we weren't. First of all, CSIS and MI5 talk all the time. I can, I can, I can vouch for that. We obviously we're very close partners. Yes, the UK is in a bit of a 
you know, upheaval now with Boris Johnson as the prime minister and the Brexit talks, et cetera, et cetera. But I find it hard to believe that Canada was completely blindsided on this. If it's true, and I I don't know that it's not, it it speaks to certainly a gap in in UK-Canada relations. But we, you know, we share intelligence daily. We share information daily. I, I'm having a hard time accepting that the Brits did this without informing Canada, knowing that he was a dual citizen. But, you know, Jalen, stranger things have happened. Maybe I'm wrong on this one. So, Phil, let's take a look at this. We talked, I asked you what it means for Canada. So what what does Canada do now? You know, when we're looking at this, do we, given what you have seen, what you've seen uh, Ralph Goodale say about the situation, uh, well, how we've seen, um, you know, the government um, kind of, you know, shuffle this around, what do you think happens now? What, what do we do? We don't have to do anything. Okay. We have no legal obligation to repatriate Mr. Lett. Okay? If he comes back, we have to take him to the citizen. We don't, we don't facilitate that. The bottom line is we have an election, what, in two months' time? We do. And do you think any government wants to go to the polls <laughs> having facilitated the return of an ISIS terrorist? No. You think, is there a win-win here? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. So what the government has done with Jack Letts and, and dozens of others is it's been ragging the puck for years on this one. And so my, you know, good old Canadian analogy, we're going to rag the puck for another two months, <laughs> and then depending on what happens at the polls in October, the Conservatives have come out and said already, Mr. Shear said he will not repatriate Mr. Letts. Uh, the Prime Minister, I think, said uh, we will prosecute terrorists wherever we find them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that means. So I expect nothing to happen between now and October. I'd be very, very surprised if the Trudeau government lifts a finger to accommodate Mr. Letts or his son between now and when we go to the polls in October. Phil, I think that one of the last conversations that the, the two of us had involved um, the, the wives and children of uh, suspected right. terrorists. Now, uh, Jack Letts does have a wife and a child. Uh, apparently, he's never met the child. Um, any idea how this would play into it? Would we be responsible for anything there? Well, again, would the child be a Canadian citizen if that child was born in Iraq or Syria? I mean, where's his wife from? Is his wife Canadian? Is his wife? I have no idea. Um, You know, Jalen, I've been quite adamant that the children should be brought back to whatever country they're a citizen of because the children are not responsible for anything. They're, Mm -hmm. They're not agents in this case. I don't think the mother should be brought back because most of them are ISIS fighters or members as well. I think they should stand justice in Iraq or Syria. I've advocated that kids should be taken away from their parents and put in the care of extended family or the state because, hey, we remove kids all the time, right? If they're being sexually or, or physically abused here in Canada, this isn't psychological abuse to raise your kid in an ISIS camp. I think it is. So I, I, I feel very differently about the kids. Um, the, the 12-year-old, this becomes a little more complicated, but the young toddlers, babies, bring them back, let the parents serve justice in the country where they committed their offense. Because if you arrive right across the border, Jalen, in the States, and commit an armed robbery, we have to not stand justice in the States? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I know Iraqi justice isn't the greatest, neither is Syrian, but maybe you shouldn't become a terrorist in Iraq if you don't want to do the time there. Exactly. You know what, Phil, I need to take a quick break here, but I have a couple more questions just kind of following up on what happened in Afghanistan over the weekend. Sure. Uh, was wondering, can you hold the line for just a moment? Absolutely. All right. Phil Gursky joining me this afternoon, kicking things off this afternoon, the president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants and a former strategic analyst with CSIS. Uh, we know that there was was uh, a bombing at uh, this wedding in Afghanistan, over 60 people dead. Uh, just want to touch uh, a little bit with uh, with Phil on, on, the st- on the status of ISIL right now, as well as the Taliban. We'll talk about that right after this. Some of your texts coming in on this conversation this afternoon. It says, uh, this is Brian, says, Jay, I believe as a country, we have no responsibility to anyone who joins a terrorist organization, period. Citizenship 
revoked. And uh, this one, 83.1, criminal code. If he wanted to be one of them, he should live with his choices. Good for Britain. Phil Gursky joining me this afternoon. Uh, Phil, we were talking uh, going into the break. I said I wanted to ask you about the status of ISIL, ISIS right now um, uh, in Iraq, in, in Syria. What is the latest word that you're getting there? That, well, you know, as you're aware, aware Jalen, President Trump declared them defeated a few months ago, uh-huh. and uh, no one believed that, neither his intelligence officials nor his military officials. I've been reading a lot lately, but the U.S. military is very concerned about, I don't know if you call it a resurgence, they never really were dead to begin with. Um, sounds like a, you know, like a bad Monty Python scare, the dead parrot scare or something. Um, they never went away. They certainly were, they had their caliphate destroyed, their so-called caliphate in Iraq and Syria. They lost tens of thousands of fighters, but they, they're, they're still there. And, and your listeners may be interested. I, I actually wrote a book three years ago called The Lesser Jihads, which talks about all the, uh, the ISIL affiliates around the world, and there are dozens of them. Uh, one of the more uh, lethal ones, is where I guess we're about to talk about, is the one in Afghanistan called the Islamic State in Khorasan. And these are a nasty bunch of people. And as you as you're alluded to, they claim responsibility for uh, a wedding bombing on the weekend that killed, what, the 63 people and wounded 200. So uh, you watch this space. Islamic State has not gone away. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on that, that, uh, that uh, wedding in Afghanistan, as you mentioned, like 63 people dead, Taliban. Uh, the Taliban's still active there. Um, I think ISIS, this ISIS affiliate taking responsibility for this. Doesn't look like it's settling down. There's more bombings across the country today as well. Uh, I know that the U.S., I was listening to some reports over the week, and I think there was some peace talks, trying to get some peace talks uh, at some point uh, done underway. The U.S. has been uh, there for 18 years now. I think that's the longest war that the U.S. has ever been in. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't see an end to it. I don't know how there is, there's an end to it. There is none. No. I understand the U.S. frustration. You're right. The U.S. has been in Afghanistan since 9-11. Uh, Trump wants out. They have, in fact, engaged in, I think it's seven or if not eight rounds of negotiations with the Taliban uh, in, in the Persian Gulf. I forget exactly where. Mm-hmm. Essentially, Jalen, the U.S. has agreed to negotiate with a terrorist group to facilitate the U.S. departure from Afghanistan. And the Taliban, despite the fact they're sitting down for so-called peace talks, I don't know how you discuss peace with a terrorist yeah. group, have not stopped the violence, as you said. They weren't responsible for the wedding attack in Kabul, but they were responsible for thousands of other attacks yeah. in Afghanistan. And I just read the other day the Taliban says they will not stop attacking the Afghan government or Afghan people when the Americans finally get out. So uh, you're right. It doesn't end if the Americans leave. In fact, it probably gets worse. But I understand if I'm an American, do I want to stay in Afghanistan yeah. forever? Yeah, it's well, a tough one. And, and that's it. You know, and Canada pulled out how many years ago? Uh, how many years ago now? Quite but, a few. Yeah, quite a few now. But you look at it, and it's just this part of the world has been, um, you know, at each other's throats for you know years upon years, centuries upon centuries, dec- decades upon decades, whatever it is. Um, I, what what will it take? What will it take? Or is there? Any, yeah. There's just nothing that can be done. That's what it feels like. Well, boy, if I can answer that I mean, question, you couldn't that, afford yeah. to have me on your show. I'll tell you <laughs> that. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it's a tough one. You know, for the longest time, I mean, terrorism's been around for a long time, and nobody cared yeah. until 9-11. That's right. When the terrorists actually struck in New York and Washington. Had they, you know, been happy to kill people locally, no one would have noticed, except mm. for terrorism scholars and, and maybe the odd military analysts. But, you know, they brought the war to us, so that we had to bring the war back to them. Although using war is a very bad analogy, and this is why I think we're in the in the pickle we're in right now. But the, the bottom line, Jalen, is that there is no solution to this, and 
at the same time, as bad as it is in Afghanistan and as bad as it is in Somalia and Nigeria and other places, we have to remind ourselves, and this is really critical, we have to remind ourselves that terrorism is not an existential threat anywhere. It's bad, but it's not existential. Maybe in Afghanistan, but certainly not North America, certainly not Canada. And our responses have to bear that in mind, because when you, when you see something as existential in nature, you, you take... You make decisions that are bad, and you take steps that are bad. So we have to sort of temper our responses. I'm not sure how much military we need to retain in Afghanistan and other places. Um, something has to be done. I don't have those answers, unfortunately, but yeah. we need to have a better conversation as to what's the best way of doing this, because what we're doing now certainly isn't isn't working, right? No. I mean, they're not going away. No. But uh, I, I'm sorry, Jill, and I, I really wish I had a, a better answer for you, but, well, you know, I thought about it a lot, and I, I don't have one yet. I know. If you if we could click our heels and wiggle our nose, it would be uh, so much easier, but that's, uh, it's a it's much bigger than that, of course. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for joining me again this afternoon. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Lynn. Take okay, care. Take care. Phil Gursky joining us this afternoon. One of his latest books, by the way, is An End to the War on Terrorism. Uh, he is with uh, Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants, a former strategic analyst with CSIS. Uh, so we've been talking about Jack Letts and the fact that the British government has withdrawn, has stripped him of his British citizenship. He does have Canadian citizenship as well. What does this mean? Uh, the father of uh, of Jack Letts, John Letts, was talking on the Roy Green show this weekend, um, saying that he hasn't talked to his son in years, doesn't even know if he's alive. Um, I just think it's so incredibly unfair. I mean, the the papers we were given say that it's in the public interest to strip him of his British citizenship. That it's not, yeah, yeah. That that it's not conducive to his presence in the UK or something, but it's also it says not in the public interest uh, for them to tell us or Jack why they've taken away his citizenship. Which so and and it says you have to send this notice to him, which is how are we going to do that? Given he's in solitary confinement pretty much and uh, in, can't talk to anyone, has no access to lawyers or anyone, medical. Um, treatment, anything, as far as we know. To be quite honest, I don't even know he's alive. And then he has 28 days to 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 appeal. Well, we can't even communicate with him. I haven't spoken to my son in over four years, four and a half years. And we had we had some app messages through a messaging app uh, two and a half years ago when he first escaped from from ISIS territory, and the Kurds treated him really, really well, and he was sending a lot of messages there, but I haven't actually directly spoken to him in, in so long. So, I don't know, there's a whole pile of feelings kind of going around, but still the massive feeling of frustration that as a parent, I still can't protect my child, and they won't let you. And the frustration that I still don't know of any information of what he's supposed to have done wrong. Uh, John Letts speaking with uh, Global News on Sunday, and I get the feeling that a lot of you could care less about uh, how Dad is feeling and would rather just, um, you know, Jihadi Jack, as he's known, uh, stays where he is. That would be the overwhelming message on 6.30, 6.30.